Welcome into Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, we recap a rough night between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Miami Marlins and try and figure out what in the world is going wrong with all of these bad base running decisions the Philadelphia Phillies are making. The team's fine, but the base running flat out stinks right now. We'll try and solve it on today's Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies. Your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm your host, Connor Thomas. Been talking Phil's baseball for years over on 97.5, the Fanatic on the radio, uh, NBC Sports Philly on the television, credentialed Philadelphia Phillies media member for the second straight year now, and happy to be here with you as your host of Locked On Phillies, also for the second straight year. I want to thank you very much for making Locked On Phillies your first listen every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube is. Uh, the number one thing you can do. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube. You'll like it more watching it if you haven't watched it yet. And that's what helps me out the most here uh, to continue to grow Locked on Phillies. So I significantly appreciate it. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. I'm literally going to be doing that myself. Once the Phillies homestand is over and I get a second free, I'm going to go over there to HelloFresh and I'm going to help myself out. So I start eating good instead of just eating potato chips for every meal. But uh, I'm, I'm busy during the baseball season going down to the ballpark and everything like that. You know how that goes. Let's jump into the Philadelphia Phillies. And you heard my recap of the fun night of the series so far, which is when the Phillies Hung nine on Sandy Alcantara, 15 in total on the Marlins, 20 hits in the game, and ended up winning a nice 15-3 to laugher against the Miami Marlins. Uh, that was great. And it's like, is this a jumping-off point for the Philadelphia Phillies offense? Well, the offense wasn't terrible last night. They didn't score, but they strung together some hits and everything like that. My, my issue in the Philadelphia Phillies' 8-4 to loss to the Miami Marlins was not how the Phillies attacked uh, Jesus Lazardo. And it wasn't really Aaron Nola's performance on the mound, even though Aaron Nola wasn't all that good on the mound. And we'll trust me, we'll discuss a little bit more about Aaron Nola. But we got to figure out how to fix these base running mistakes. And by we, I mean they, and they being the Philadelphia Phillies players and staff. And the Phillies are unbelievably bad on the bases this year. I believe that was the 11th time outside of stealing that the Philadelphia Phillies had been thrown out on the base pass this year. Maybe it was eighth, but anything like that is puts them by far and away the worst in Major League Baseball. They're incredibly awful on the base pass. Last night, you get into a situation where Aaron Nola has his blow-up inning in the, uh, the top of the sixth, and he gave up a solo home run in, I think it was the third or the fourth, to John Birdie, which that happens. And that was one nothing for a while until you get to the sixth inning. And that's fine for Marinola. Now, the blow-up inning can't happen. And when he did give up three runs in the top of the sixth before being pulled, part of it was the strike zone. The umpiring in Major League Baseball has been awful this year, and the Philadelphia Phillies have really been victimized by it. But it can't point to the umpires uh, when you have situations like what unfolded. So Nola, he gave up three runs, was pulled. Phillies get out of that inning. They're down 4 nothing. 
And then you put together a little bit of a rally. Kyle Schwarber leads off the bottom of the sixth with a home run. Uh, you end up loading the bases for Bryson Stott with two outs. And he forces a 3-2 count. And a 3-2 count with two outs. Bryson Stott, who is one of the hottest hitters in baseball and is, is top, I don't know, three in hits total. I know he's up there. I know he was 17 coming into yesterday's uh, game as far as hits made. And the hits leader in Major League Baseball was 19. Uh, and he got two hits last night. So unless everyone above him went over, he's probably not number one. But he's he's right up around the hits leaders in Major League Baseball early on in the season. He's batting well over 400. He goes ahead and in a 3-2 count, he ropes a single the other way. Two runs score because they're often running with the pitch with a 3-2 count and two outs. So you know you're going to get two runs in there on a single. And what does he do? But he way overruns first base. Gene Segura cuts the throw off playing third base for the Marlins. Throws him out, inning over, momentum gone. Lazardo probably would have been his last batter, uh, and you would have gotten someone to face the right-handed Turner coming up. Oh, yeah, and you'd have Trey Turner coming up with runners on the corners and two outs with a chance to go ahead and tie the game. Instead, it's 4-3, to three, the momentum's dead, and you go ahead and you just you only score one run the rest of the game, and it's in the ninth inning, and it's meaningless because the Marlins were able to extend their lead to 8-3 to three before you got that one run back. I, it's terrible base running every single night. There's somebody that overrounds a base. I don't know what is going on. Listen, they literally made the bases bigger this year, and the Phillies got worse at base running. I don't know what, what it really is. Uh, here's a wild theory before we talk through what I really think it is. The first wild theory before this pops into anyone else's mind, I'm going to explain it and dispel it real quick here for you. Maybe because the bases have been increased in size across Major League Baseball this year, the Phillies feel that they can be more aggressive on the base paths outside of just stealing, and they're taking bigger leads and – not bigger leads, but bigger uh, rounding the bases, and they think that they can score easier or get to the next base easier or anything like that. That's not what I think is happening. It's just the thought that popped into my head, and then I think – I say, where are most of these outs coming? And it's returning back to bases. So that just means that they're just not being prudent with the way that they're rounding the bags. I'm going to explain to you what I think the Phillies base running problem is and how to fix it. And it has to deal with Bryce Harper and it has to deal with Reese Hoskins. I know you're saying those guys haven't played a game for the Philadelphia Phillies yet this year. I have a longstanding running theory in sports in general that it's called the hero complex is what I go ahead and name it when, I, when I'm discussing sports and professional sports especially. But in general, there are two types of ways that it can be portrayed. It could be portrayed by an individual player like a Bryce Harper, like a Reese Hoskins, like, a, I don't know, maybe a Kyle Schwarber, some of the top players on your team where it's a really good player on an average to bad team and it's like, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they making mistakes in the field, laying out for balls they shouldn't? Why are they getting thrown out on the base pass, trying to stretch singles into doubles? We see Bryce Harper do it a lot. He's a great example of it, actually. And it's because there will be points in games where maybe you're not even on a bad team, but your team is playing poorly, and you feel that you are the face of that team and the best player, so you have to make something happen, and it presses you into bad decisions. That's one half of it. The other half is... When you're used to having those players on your team, 
when you're used to having a Bryce Harper batting behind you, when you're used to having a Reese Hoskins coming up next that you know past the bat. And then those guys get replaced with guys that aren't as good when you're talking Cody Clements, Christian Pache, uh, guys like that that are now seeing time for the Philadelphia Phillies in Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper's absence. Well, I think it puts this subconscious pressure on other players on the team to try and become Bryce Harper, to try and become Reese Hoskins. Listen, Bryce has thought, great start to the year. He's neither of those guys yet. Kyle Schwarber, a really good home run hitter. He, he's, he's not Bryce Harper. Like Nick Castellanos, not one of those guys. They're all good players. That's not the point. My, my point is their role on the team whether Bryce Harper is here or not, we talk about picking up the slack. That means your performance in your role has to be better. It doesn't mean that, talking about Nick Castellanos, if Kyle Schwarber goes ahead and scores from first on what uh, was a very close play that he ran through a stop sign on in the Cincinnati series, you don't then round third and try and make it into an inside-the-park home run and get thrown out by 40 feet. It doesn't make sense. If you're Bryson Stott and you're on a really good hitting streak and you get that big hit, where Bryce Harper might read a throw the right way and try and force it into a double and create second and third and a great opportunity for Trey Turner, you don't do that and get thrown out and backpicked at first. I think this is a team that is pressing really hard to make up for some of the stars they have missing for injuries, and it's very, very visible on the base paths. That is my working theory, but also it's on Rob Thompson and his staff to recognize that this team mentally is not focused on the base pass and do whatever it is, whether it's remedial base running drills, whether it's working out something different with the base coaches, whether it's truly changing the philosophy of this team's on the team on the base pass. And that sounds dramatic. Only 11, what are we, 11 games in? Yeah, only 11 games into the season. But when you're getting thrown out basically every game of the year on a terrible base running decision, it can't happen anymore. And that will be a major cause of disappointment later on in the season. Can't happen. I believe the team can overcome it. But that's my biggest takeaway from last night. And coming up next, we're going to discuss my second biggest takeaway, which has to deal with the Marlins offense and Aaron Nola and what's going on there and how this affects him the rest of the year because Aaron Nola has not been sharp. And I'll tell you what my thoughts are on the rest of the pitcher season as he, I don't know, tries to prove that he's worthy of a better extension or a new contract that he didn't sign this offseason. So we'll discuss all that as we continue Locked on Phillies. But first, I want to tell you about my friends over at So Rare. It's one of our newest sponsors, and they're awesome. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game. It's just totally transforming, right? You think fantasy baseball, and you think week-long matchups where you – you draft these players and you just have them kind of in this cyberspace. Like you see their names on your roster, but I, I don't know. Uh, you don't really like have anything that indicates they're yours besides that. It's boring, right? Well, so rare. What you do is you collect baseball cards. So you collect the player cards and you use them against global opponents to go ahead and get rewards. Win or lose, you could still own your cards. There's no cost to play, but you, you truly get that managerial experience because you manage the cards, you own them. Plus, the more you win in advance, collect increasingly powerful player cards and you access next level competitions and rewards. I mean, listen to some of these rewards. All right. Uh, some recently partnered MLB stars are Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez. They're brand ambassadors for So Rare. I mean, they're both featured in So Rare right now. 
going ahead and looking at some of the players available. They got all the players available. Some of the epic prizes you can win, epic rewards. You can get merchandise, game tickets, signed jerseys, VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Uh, prizes may vary depending on the level of competition that you're playing in, but they've got so awesome rewards from so rare. Three to four day cycle. So you could get twice weekly games in for chance to win rewards. And you could just tell how serious they are about the business by the type of people partnered with them and by the awards giving off. It's such a fun game. So go ahead and head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S O as in so and R A R E as in rare. So rare.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today all right let's talk a little bit about Aaron Nola's early season because we're three starts in and he's looked I guess better each start I don't know I don't think he looked particularly sharp last night despite only allowing one run through five innings of work before going into that sixth inning where he got squeezed a little bit and then gave up those three runs you can make an argument that last night was his best pitching performance of the year. You can make an argument that his start in New York was his best pitching performance of the year. It certainly wasn't the inning in Texas where he blew up in the fourth inning, or the outing, I should say, in Texas where he blew up in the fourth inning. But Aaron Nola has been really disappointing to start the year. And now he puts a lot of pressure on Zach Wheeler today to go out and have a great game and help the Philadelphia Phillies win their second straight series. And again, the Philadelphia Phillies are fine. Uh, really, I'm going to preface this because it came up on the John Kikacho this morning over on 97.5 The Fanatic, which I'm a part of, and we discussed. I brought it up to those guys, and uh, they were listening out like, the Phillies have base running issues, and their offense needs to be a little bit better at points, and they need to put together better at bats, and the fielding is still questionable at points because moving guys around, and the bullpen hasn't been good, and the starters go – the least amount of innings in all of baseball to this point in the season and all this other stuff. And I said, okay, and yeah, what's their record? Currently they're four and seven. They're three games under 500. They have a chance to win their second straight series, which would bring their series record on the year to even at two and two. They lost their first two. They would win their next two if they win today against the Miami Marlins. And I say, and you just listed all these flaws of the team that are fixable. What happens when they fix them? To me, that means if you're four and seven with all those flaws and all these worst in the MLB at this, that, and the other thing, you're a pretty darn good baseball team. You're talented enough to overcome minor issues. And even though you're facing major ones right now, you're still going to be fine. So I think the Phillies win today. We'll do a quick preview in the final segment of today's ball game, talk through the lineup and everything like that, because it is another interesting lineup from Rob Thompson. He continues to pin down exactly what he wants to do, but I think they win today, win the series. Zach Wheeler is good today. They beat the Miami Marlins, and you're looking at a team that's 5-7 and seven, heading into a four-game stretch with the Cincinnati Reds with a really good chance to come out of that over 500. Yes, over 500 by the end of the week is possible for the Philadelphia Phillies, and that would be a great thing. But Aaron Nola, uh, I don't get it, man. I, I brought up Texas, that Texas start, and I said, well, he's a guy that – He'll have one bad start and then four really great ones, and that's just kind of how he goes. He's not one of the pitchers that he'll have a two-run give up or three-run give up or four-run give up or three-run give up, and he just kind of hangs right around that point, and he ends up with a three or a no. He's a guy that will throw a complete game shutout, and then he'll throw like a two-hit seven-inning performance, and then he'll give up six runs, and then he'll throw a shutout. Like He's feast or famine a lot of the time, and it's why the fan base is hesitant or was hesitant, I should say, when talks uh, 
surfaced about Aaron Nola potentially getting an extension passed this year when his contract's up with the Philadelphia Phillies, and ultimately they couldn't come to a number. I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, thank goodness Aaron Nola didn't sign that extension, or why didn't Aaron Nola sign that extension from Aaron Nola's perspective? And it's hard to argue with him right now. I'm a huge Aaron Nola guy. I still think he's a talented pitcher, but clearly he's not himself right now, and he hasn't been good enough for what the Philadelphia Phillies need him to be. And maybe that comes from the lack of talks during the season about an extension and kind of knowing the writing may be on the wall as far as his time here. It could be because mentally uh, he's in a situation where I don't know what went on in those discussions, but I felt confident that an extension was going to get done. I was hearing that things were progressing towards an extension getting done and uh, why they wouldn't have. uh, That's a question for people who were in the room when those talks went on. It could have been that the Phillies significantly undervalued Nola compared to what he thought he was worth. And that could be something that mentally messes with a pitcher where now you're thinking, okay, uh, I got to try and wipe these conversations and go out and perform. But my team basically just told me they don't think I'm worth what I think I'm worth. And I just helped them go to the World Series. So that could be something mentally draining on a guy like Aaron Nola. I don't know what it is. But he has been underwhelming so far this year. And the Philadelphia Phillies, I'll tell you this, they go nowhere without Aaron Nola. Say what you want about him. You can call him a two. You can call him a three. I don't care. He's not a number three pitcher. I think he's a 1B behind Zach Wheeler being 1A. But if you don't have one of your top three pitchers, and he's better than that, but I'm even talking to the lowest common denominator, the Aaron Nola haters out there. If you don't have your top three pitchers throwing well, You're not going to have deep playoff runs. You're not going to compete for the best division in baseball in the NL East. You're not going to have a really good season. You can have an okay season. You could have a good season. You could be 88 wins again and make the wild card game and have to make a crazy run to go ahead and do it. And that's not impossible. But Aaron is a big part of uh, if the Philadelphia Phillies are going to have a great year that they're capable of, he's got to start being great. And to this point, he hasn't been. So, He's my number one concern in the starting rotation right now. How does Aaron Nola work out of this funk he's in? Because Wheeler's going to be fine. feel comfortable with that. Taiwan Walker uh, is going to work his stuff out. Matt Strom's been a delight. Bailey Falter, uh, anything you get from him is a plus. And when Ranger Suarez comes back, we'll go ahead and see what this uh, rotation looks more like. And hopefully Andrew Painter and Ranger Suarez will eventually take those final two spots in the rotation. So my biggest concern right now, Aaron Nola. Figure it out, my dude, because this team needs you to be a great starter like we know you can be. And to this point, he hasn't done it this season. It's not good. And the Phillies offense, they're missing too many pieces to be expected every single night to overcome pitching performances that have blow up innings. So uh, they did it in game one of the series and exploded for 15 runs. But the pitching and the defense and the umpire a little bit let them down and the base running in game two. So. We'll see if they can put it all together again for game three of the series and get a win regardless. And then we can see Aaron Nolan in his next start if he makes up for it. Coming up next, we're going to talk through everything with today's lineups and the series finale between the Phillies and the Cincinnati Reds. So we'll do that as we continue Locked On Phillies. But first, I want to tell you about my friends over at Fandle. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're all back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than Fandle, America's number one sportsbook. It's because right now, new customers, you know the deal. You can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. 
Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Maybe you went and bet on the Phillies and said, oh, I'm going to bet $1,000 on the Phillies money line last night because they just put 15 on the Marlins. And you watch that stinker of a performance where they lose 8-4, to and you say, oh, man, well, Hey, at least I get my $1,000 back in bonus bets from losing that bet, and I can use that to bet again on FanDuel. It's awesome. So go ahead and check it out, and uh, don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, we have the opening opening lineup no we have just the lineup like it keep there's so many damn opening days it's home opener and it's opening game of the series and it's actual opening day and all this stuff no this is just the lineup for game three between the philadelphia phillies and the miami marlins zach wheeler on the mound and the phillies here's how they'll line up bryson stott is back to batting leadoff trey turner will be batting second kyle schwarber dhing batting third nick castellanos playing right field, batting cleanup. J.T. Romito batting fifth, playing catcher. Brandon Marsh up to sixth, playing center field. Alec Bohm down to seventh, which is interesting to me. He's been one of your hotter hitters, but okay. Playing third base. Jake Cave in left field, batting eighth. Cody Clemens at first base, and he's rounding out at ninth. And like I said, Zach Wheeler on the mound. So we're going to do a little quick guessing game with that lineup, right? You hear all those names. You hear the positions they're in. Are the Philadelphia Phillies facing a right-handed pitcher or a left-handed pitcher tonight? Yes, that's right. They're going to be taking on right-handed pitcher Edward Cabrera of the Miami Marlins. We knew that already. We know there's a righty because when Stott's batting leadoff, it's a righty on the mound. They didn't do it last night against Jesus Lazardo, a strong lefty. ESPN Analytics gives the Phillies 66.4% chance to win this game, as opposed to, of course, the 33.6% from Miami. That's because Cabrera's own one. He's got a 5-4 ERA this year, uh, a 2-2-5 whip, and only six and two-thirds innings pitched. He hasn't been good for the Marlins. Now, when you look at Zach Wheeler, Zach Wheeler's own one, a 5-5-9 ERA, a 1-6-6 whip in nine and two-thirds innings pitched. So he hasn't been good, but the big indicator is that whip. Zach Wheeler's been allowing. It hasn't been a great start to the year for him. That Texas Rangers start really inflates this, but he's been allowing about a base runner and a half an inning. Uh, Cabrera's been allowing about two and a quarter base runners an inning. That's astronomical for major league pitching. You can't win like that. So you're looking at a situation where the Phillies have a major, major advantage on the mound in this game. Now, the Marlins lineup uh, is out as well. Drash Chisholm Jr. is leading off. Jorge Soler is batting second. Luis Arias had a huge night last night. And Bears mentioning uh, he hit for the cycle, which, believe it or not, is the first in Miami Marlins history. They have more World Series than they have cycles hit in their team's history, which is crazy. I want to do a dive at some point and see how many teams have more World Series wins than cycles, and it may just be the Miami Marlins. That may be the only team that exists. But, uh, yeah, he hit for the cycle last night. Now, here's the thing. He has 15 career home runs after last night in four full seasons at Major League Baseball level, so he's not going to hit another home run tonight. That was rare, but he's batting 537. That's the only guy you have to avoid. Everyone else in the lineup, besides Julie Gurriel, who's at 381, uh, is 250 or lower. This offense is anemic, and they're facing Zach Wheeler, and you're looking at a situation where he should be able to feast against the Marlins lineup that isn't that good. You go out there, you score, I don't know, four or five runs offensively, you walk out of there with a win. Very simple formula for a win today. 
A lot of stuff very much in the Philadelphia Phillies' favor. I love them in this game today. Talking about our partners at FanDuel, if you want to pay, uh, place that no-sweat first bet, I'd bet it on the Phillies tonight. That's what I would do. And I might even bet it on the Phillies with the spread. I'd imagine it's minus one and a half, which means the Phillies would have to win by two runs or more. And I think they win by like four plus. I think this is another comfortable victory for the Phillies. I think it's a get right game as they get ready to go on the road to Cincinnati. And I, I, I love Philadelphia today in this game. So hopefully what I'm saying is correct because I predicted each of the first two games of the series wrong. I thought they'd win yesterday. They lost. I thought they'd get smoked by Alcantara. They hung 15 on him. So I don't know. What do I know? I'm just some guy on a podcast. But normally, believe it or not, I'm pretty good at predicting these things. I like the Phillies tonight, so go ahead and check that out and see if you can make some money with our uh, partners over at FanDuel, or you can just enjoy watching the game. That's all for today's Locked on Phillies. I want to thank you for making Locked on Phillies your first listen every day. Now I want you to make your second listen of the day, Locked on Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies for who to pick up on the waiver wire and the early season moves to replace injuries. Find Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, just like us here at Locked On Phillies. So go ahead and check the boys out, learn some stuff there. And in the meantime, please make sure you're rating, reviewing. Again, subscribe to the YouTube. It gives you notifications when new episodes are posted so you don't miss it. There's less and less time to get in on these episodes during the regular season when there's games basically daily. So you want to know as soon as they're up so you can get your previews in in time and know everything you need to know about Philadelphia Phillies baseball from Locked on Phillies. So thanks for listening along. I'll talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.